Welcome to today's teaching service. You're listening to the First Century Apostolic Church FCAC Temagana. We preach, teach, and live the complete and unadulterated Word of God with genuine miracles, signs, and wonders taking place at every meeting with the Holy Spirit. Our aim is to follow in the steps of the apostles and disciples of the First Century Church founded by our Lord Jesus. Prepare yourselves, therefore, for a powerful encounter with the Word and power of God brought to you by Reverend Dr. V.C.Y. Edwards, the General Overseer of FCAC. He is a seasoned man of God who is blessed with a powerful teaching and deliverance ministry. I encourage you, therefore, to join us every Tuesday at our teaching services at 7 p.m. prompt. You will be truly blessed. God bless you as you join us in the service. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this meeting. And we thank you for all that you will welcome into your houses and all the Lord you invite to hear your word tonight from all over the face of the earth. I do so in the name of Jesus. But Lord, I know that it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that you have made all this possible. Therefore, my Lord and my God, it is my prayer that the entrance of your word will bring light, bring understanding, deliverance, and prosperity to everyone who hear your word. Above it all, it is my prayer that your word tonight will bring salvation to as many as we hear it. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all be seated. This evening and the, for the next two weeks or so, we're going to look at why we worship on Sundays. The title is Why We Christians Worship God on Sundays. The title is Why We Worship on Sundays. And the text is Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 8. Luke 24, verses 1 to 8. I'll take it again quickly. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened as they were greatly perplexed about this. That behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And the third day, rise again. And they remembered his words. And they remembered his words. Now, I said that for most Christians, for most Christians, 
Sundays have become the accepted or the statutory day for worship, public worship, Sundays. Remember, we were looking at why we worship on Sundays. And as we look at the biblical reasons why we worship on Sundays, we also look at the reason why we worship God at all. Why do we worship God? And why do we worship on Sundays? So Sundays are now widely accepted as day for public worship for Christians. And I'm praying that in the next two or three weeks, um, as we begin to examine this subject, as many as who hear me, many as who hear the words of my voice, will come to understanding and therefore will accept Jesus because he and he only, only he has the gift of free salvation. Sunday was the day of the resurrection. One reason why we worship God on Sunday is that Sunday was the day of the resurrection. And going back to the text that that's explained, the Bible said that on the first day of the week, on the first day of the week, women came with spices, as was the custom of the Jews, to anoint the dead body of Jesus. And um, I've always wondered how women will go to a tomb which have been closed with this huge, heavy stone. How would they get in to anoint the body? They went by faith anyway. And on getting there, to their surprise, they found the stone rolled away. The stone was not there. The entrance was open. They went in and again, even to their greater surprise, the body that they had come to anoint was not there. And it had not happened before. Never had it happened before that you, somebody that died on the third day, good, and the body was in there. Where had the body gone to? So they stood there perplexed, greatly perplexed, confused, not knowing what, what was going on. Now their perplexity turned to fear when they suddenly saw two men standing next to them in shining garments. And the man said, why do you seek the living among the dead? Now as you came looking for the dead, but the person you came looking for is also no longer dead, but he's risen. He's now alive. So he's not among the dead. And therefore, he's not here. He's risen. Then they reminded them that remember what he said to you when he was in Galilee. Remember what he said? That the Son of Man will be delivered into the hands of sinful men, crucify him, and the third day he will rise again. And when you go back to scriptures, you look at the times when Jesus said this to his disciples and even the apostles, the twelve, they did not understand. And the Bible is careful to state that they did not understand because it had not been given to them to understand. It had not been revealed to them. And therefore, what now looks so straightforward to us 
easier to understand. They did not understand. Now, the resurrection day, that day that Jesus rose from the dead, after that, then everything that is in scriptures became plain, became now understandable to everybody. Before then, many things were hidden, waiting for the coming of the Messiah who bring the new final and perfect covenant before these things will be released into the world. So it was on this day of resurrection that, let me say, God opened the eyes and the minds of everybody to understand his salvation plan. So then they remembered the words of Jesus. They remembered. Before Christ, many things were hidden. Even for the Jews, many things were hidden. They were hidden. But after the resurrection, now everything is plain. Nothing is hidden anymore. So that if you don't understand, then it's not because it has been hidden from you, but because you are refusing. You've hardened your heart, you've hardened your mind. We don't want to understand. Because now everything is plain. Praise the Lord. So that first year of the week, but a Sunday, because if Christ was crucified on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, so that first day we're talking about was a Sunday. And then we went on to look at Acts 27 and 8. Acts for the apostles 27 and 8. We say that now on the first day of the week, again, the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. There were many lambs in the upper room where they were gathered together. So here you can see that on again, that same first day of the week, they were having church service. Paul preached a very long message, preaching and teachings, till midnight, in fact, till the next day. And there must have been many, where the room was big with many lambs. They were gathered together. There were many lambs because the place was big and the congregation were many. Hallelujah. Again, pointing to the fact that Sunday, the first day of the week. Now, we've made mention of the fact that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is pivotal, is foundational for the Christian faith because it is, it, it, it is an unquestionable proof that Jesus is God. Jesus is God. It is a proof that cannot be disputed. Once it's happened, it, it's proved that Jesus is God. Not only that, but it's also proved, proved all that he said will happen to him, including his death and resurrection. And they came to pass. No human being, no ordinary human being, no prophet, not even Moses, nobody, ever predicted that he would die and rise again, that he had the power to lay down his life 
and power to take it again. Only God can do that. Only God can do that. And in that case, if Jesus did it, then it is proof, it is the final proof that Jesus is God. And we see this in Romans 1, Romans 1, verses 3 and 4. There are many scriptures that that's testify to this fact, but we look at one in Romans chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Again, reading from the New King James Version of the Bible. Romans 1, 3 and 4 says, Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David, according to the flesh, and declared to be the son of God, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. A lot of things, a lot of facts in these two verses. Now, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the Bible here, the word of God here is saying that Jesus was the son of God and calls him our Lord. Jesus is the son of God and our Lord. Now, Bible goes on that he was born the seed of David. He was born in the lineage of David. In the flesh, his family was the family of David. As a man, he was born into the family of David. He was born a human being, Joseph, Mary, born a human being. Lineage of David. So, according to the flesh, he was born into a family of David. That's what the Bible is saying here. But he was declared to be the son of God. You see? In addition to that, he was declared to be the son of God, verse 4, with power, with power, according to the spirit of holiness, according to the Holy Spirit, by the resurrection of the dead. And the final proof of all this, what sealed all this, is by the resurrection from the dead. So that resurrection day marked more or less the commissioning, the beginning, the establishment of our faith in God and all the promises that God had made from the beginning which were fulfilled in the Lord Jesus. And that's one reason why we worship God on Sundays, because Sunday was the day of the resurrection. Beloved, apart from that, there will be no church, there wouldn't be any church without the resurrection. If Christ had not risen, if Christ had not risen, I wonder how many Christians ever think about this. But I like the way Paul argues it out. You know, Paul, uh, he was an, an extraordinary person. <laughs> Paul was somebody that... Uh, when I look at it, the way he argues things, of course, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his own argument, but God using him to argue at some point. So that 
you just cannot you just cannot reject it. The argument is so solid. You cannot refuse it. You're refusing it means that you have a problem. You have a big problem. A huge problem if you don't understand this. Therefore, in fact, there'll be no there'll be no church without the resurrection. First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians 15. Niboy Town, Teshim, Michel Camp. And our social media brethren. First Corinthians 15, 13 to 19. 15, 13 to 19. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, but if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. Then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty. And your faith is also empty. In other words, if Christ didn't rise up, then there's no Christianity. All that we are preaching, all that we are you say you have faith, all your belief is empty. 15 says, yes. Not only that, say yes. And we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he, has, that he raised up Christ, whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep, those who have died in Christ, have perished. And life verse 19 says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Any answer of we are, that's what we are unbelievers. We are more pitiable than the unbelievers. Look at what Paul is saying. Look at this. He says that now, if we don't believe in the resurrection, because our faith, Christianity dwells on, on the resurrection, but if there is no resurrection, hmm, then Christ is not risen. Because there's no resurrection. Now Christ didn't rise. Because when Christ rose, that means that there's a resurrection from the dead. Verse 13. And if Christ is not risen, if Christ did not rise up, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. That means we are just wasting our time. We are just talking about things that are not true. And he said, Yes. And we have found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, who we did not rise, who did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. Then in that case, then he said that then we are, all the witnesses we are bearing about God are false. So we are also false witnesses. You know, where preachers and pastors are false witnesses. What they are saying is not true if Christ did not rise from the dead. And if God did not raise Jesus for the dead, then we are all liars. In other words, we are all liars. And we, we pastors are liars. And we are saying that God is also a liar. 
For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. Verse 17. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. Your faith is not true. It's empty. It's vain. Which means that then you and I are still in our sins. Our sins have not been forgiven. That means that we are, not going, we are not going anywhere. We are not going to know heaven. We are just deceiving ourselves. Then he says, then also not just us, but those who have died in Christ, they are perished. They have perished. Because definitely hell, you see, Paul is, Paul is saying that hell is there. Hell is there. He knows that hell doesn't exist. Hell is there. But then if Christ is not rise, they mean that we are all going to hell. They are perished. And he says, if that is the case, then of all men, of all men, we are the most pitiable. And I ask him, we are, even in that case, if Christ does not rise up, then we Christians, we are even more pitiable. Our situation is, is it's laughable, more laughable than being the unbelievers. So you can see that without the resurrection, then all the building blocks, the whole structure of Christianity collapses. The whole edifice, the whole structure, establishment, from foundation to the top, everything just crashes to the ground. Then we are the most pitiable of all men. Because then we are all going to hell. No, sir, no, madam. Christ did rise from the dead. On the, on the third day of the week, third day after he was crucified. And that day, the Sunday. Now, the resurrection was validated, made true the teachings of Christ. The resurrection validated or made true the teachings of Christ. As we see in John chapter 2, John's gospel chapter 2, is 18 to 21. John 2, John's gospel chapter 2, 18 to 21. The resurrection validated or made true, authenticated all the teachings of Jesus. John 2, 18, 21. So, the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. He was speaking of the temple of his body. And you can look at verse 22. He said, Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them. That they, be, that they believe the scripture and the word which Jesus has said. You see? Um, the Jews came to him 
when he was driving out, cleansing the temple, driving out the merchants, traders, money changers, driving them out of the temple, Jesus. Because by prophecy, by prophecy, this particular act, action of cleansing the temple will be done only by the Messiah. By the Messiah, who will be God himself. Only the Messiah will do that. So when the Jews saw him do that, they came to him and said, well, by what you are doing, you are trying to tell us that you are the Messiah. In other words, you are God. Now, what sign, what do, what do you do to prove to us that you are who you say you are? You are God. Show us a sign. Then he said, you see, he again, he hid the answer from them. He said, destroy this temple and in three days, I'll raise it up. So the Jews who thought they were scholars, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, they thought he was referring to the temple because he was driving the people out of the temple. So they thought he was referring to Solomon's temple. But Bible says he was actually referring to his own body, which will be crucified, and after three days, raised again. So indeed, he gave them the sign. He did give them the sign, just that they did not understand. And that's one reason why we preach the word of God. We teach the word of God because there are many in the world now who may read the Bible and they will not understand. They will not understand. For the first time, if you read the Bible, there are many things you do not understand. And if you come to a church like ours here, there are some things you will see that you will not understand. Unfortunately, most people prefer to stay in their ignorance instead of finding out, asking, seeking, knocking. They prefer to stay in their ignorance, criticize, and despise, and therefore stay where they are, or even choose to just, just ignore it or just condemn it. They simply condemn it. They don't just stay where they are, but they come out open and condemn it. But the sign, the proof is there. The proof is there. If only they be humble enough, open their eyes and open their hearts, God will show it to them. Just as God has shown it to me, and to you, church, if you agree with me, say amen. amen. Clap your two hands for Jesus. So why do we worship on Sundays? Because Sunday is therefore a great day for believers. Sunday happens to be a very great day for believers to gather. Gather together to hear the word of God. Word of God is God talking to us. When you pray, you are talking to God. When you hear the word of God, or you read the word of God, it's God talking to you. So it's a good day. And there's no better day than this day on which we gather to hear the word of God, to be blessed by God.
and to celebrate the new life in Christ Jesus. It's a holy convocation, a holy gathering, a gathering of people that God has cleansed by the blood of Jesus together in the presence of the Holy Spirit and his angels. As we hear now, Niboy Town, Teshim, Mishekam, wherever you are, as we hear this word, remember that we have angels everywhere. And we have many more angels here than we have human beings. Many more angels with us here than human beings. So we come together eager, eager to be in the presence of God because of the resurrection. You come with some some enthusiasm, eagerness, you know, to be in the presence of God. You've come because you want to hear the word of God. The power in the word, the life in the word, to get into you. We come because we want to be blessed by God. You cannot come into the presence of God and go away just as you came. No. Every time you come before God, you take something with you. And that something is a big blessing, which you cannot get anywhere else. It's not for sale. Nowhere else. Only in the house of God. And you get it. You come to be blessed. And we also come to celebrate. We come to celebrate with fellow Christians. Having congregational meetings, public worship is different from having your own private devotion in the privacy of your room or your house. Coming together is a lot more powerful. And therefore, every believer, every Christian must enjoy, must look forward to, look forward to this kind of gathering. Sundays, therefore, first day of the week, best time to do this. I see some calendars which I reject. Calendar where they put Sunday as the last day of the week. They start the first day from Monday and they put Sunday last. And I, I don't look at those calendars. I don't buy them. I don't use them. I only use calendars that have Sunday as the first day. Begin the week with worship of God. That's how I see it. Amen. Thank you for participating in this Tuesday evening's teaching service. We believe you have been blessed by the word. You're welcome to visit us at Emma Community 5 of PV or being run about. God bless you and we hope to see you next Tuesday.